0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And today, I'm joined by Russ Macumber, returning back to the show, returning guest. Russ is the strategy strategy director and the GM over at Impressive Digital. He's also recognized as a global retail e-commerce leader by Similar Web. Russ, welcome back, sir. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, good, Sam. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me back. on. I'm hoping we're going to call this show them a comeback. What
0: do you reckon? Well, that's it. Why not? Why not? I know um, when we had you, that this was many, many, many months ago, um, yeah. probably one of the earlier episodes, actually. It was actually one of the most viewed and downloaded episodes so far. So you're up there on a leaderboard, so, so let, yeah. let's not let the team down. And today we're going to be talking all about the ultimate free and ultimate paid strategies to convert more customers through an e-commerce website. Yep. So we're diving deep into all things lead gen um, or rather sales-based um, when it comes to basically convincing people why they should purchase something on your site. So I think a good place to start, Russ, is CRO is probably a, th- a term that people have heard thrown around quite a bit in the digital space. So perhaps mm. we could start with what conversion rate optimization, what CRO really means.
1: Yep, cool. So I guess we probably need to start... A- the starting point is like, what, what is a conversion? Like if we just want mm. to be completely clear on that, because where CRO is the rate, is the process of optimizing that, but what is a conversion? So if we're talking about yeah. e-commerce businesses, so with Impressive, we, we deal with, you know, a lot of, you know, probably 80% of our clients are in that e-commerce space. So for an e-commerce business, a, a conversion is literally a sale. So, you know, with, with lead gen sites and different and, and other sorts of business sites, you might have a demo, contact form, form fill, it could be an email subscription, that kind of thing. Yep. But the beauty of e-commerce, what I kind of love about it is it's a conversion literally means, chiching It's uh, it's dollars in your Cash pocket. Cash of the bank. Yeah, yeah. So um, understanding that, then if we get to, okay, well, what, is, what does it mean to, to optimise your conversion rate? So it's three parts there. So a conversion is a sale. Conversion rate is the the rate of people, the percentage of people who go to your site and turn into a sale right? So we'll talk about some of the numbers, you know, the averages, benchmarks you need to be looking at for your e-commerce business, then optimization. So it's it's basically the process of optimizing for conversions, optimizing for sales on your site. So a lot of people think of CRO as a, it's got like a bit of a rep as being like really sciencey and scientific. And it is because it's lots of tests, it's lots of data, Yeah, but it's not all software tools and whiz bang tricks and dark art. Like it, it, there's a fair bit more kind of really obvious stuff that I don't think people think of when I think of CRO, which I'm, I'm keen to sort of walk through today as well.
0: Yeah, man. Sounds good. So ultimately, we're talking about e-commerce. We're talking about an online store. We're talking about a conversion being someone visiting the site, purchasing an item, job mm-hmm.
1: done. So
0: yep. and that makes sense. So perhaps before we talk about kind of ways we can optimize our site, to ultimately drive more customers, mm-hmm. perhaps we should talk about why a business should consider doing this. First of all, yep. what are the what are the advantages of it? What are the disadvantages, if any? And then yeah. we can perhaps get in, get get a bit actionable with it. Talk about some statistics and talk about some kind of free and paid strategies.
1: For sure, for sure. I guess the most important thing is you know traffic. You know traffic can be expensive. Whether mm. you're investing in SEO, whether you're paying for paid traffic via you know, Facebook, Google, Display, Programmatic, if you're doing retargeting, if you're running email campaigns, you know, all of those things come with a cost, whether that be the cost per click, whether that be your time, the effort, whether that be, you know, the months and months of work that you're doing to build authority into your site, to pull people through to your site. But uh, CRO is about, you know, getting more bang for your buck. It's about being able to turn more of those customers into into dollars. So I guess, you know, the why is CRO so important? It's because traffic is expensive, whether it's expensive for your time, for your efforts, for your for your dollars, your dollars and cents. So if you're gonna be spending all of those efforts and time and money on traffic, uh, CRO is just a, a real good opportunity to, you know, if you think about your, your funnel, you know, your top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and that very bottom of funnel, if you can have a, a process in place where you're trying to squeeze out as many customers as possible from all of that traffic that comes through your funnel then it means that all of your channels win means you've got more more money in your pocket
0: yeah and that makes sense right so just like you said a lot of e-commerce businesses unless they're probably brand new are going to be doing some kind of efforts to drive people to their site as if people don't come to their site they're not going to have a chance to see see their wares and purchase so whether they've got i guess an internal marketing team that are doing all Mm -hmm. the whether that's SEO, whether that's paid ads, whether that's mm-hmm. different forms of marketing, social marketing, et cetera, email marketing, or whether they're paying an agency to do it or um, whatever strategies they're undertaking. Mm-hmm. If the website can't convert, then it's, it's pointless. It's a waste of investment of time or, or money, like you quite rightly said. So other things that before we jump in and perhaps hire an expert or perhaps start reading a bunch of Neil Patel's blogs on what is CRO and how to do it or yeah. someone else's, are yeah. there things that we need to be kind of considering measuring testing before yeah. we just jump in and say right i'm going to resweep our website i'm going to optimize everything for conversions and, and this and that are there things yep. that we need to kind of say look this is the foundation this is the review stage and now mm-hmm. this is the this is the kind of stage two
1: they're totally up they're totally up and this is where so i lean heavily on our head of SA, our head of cro within our agency uh his name is salman uh nish who i've done some videos with and you, you know as well sam um, you know, Nish works in our CRO team, and you know, a lot of what I used to consider CRO, and what they talk about being, you know, best practice CRO, a lot of it is stuff that you just wouldn't think of. You don't think of in terms of like tests and data and that sort of stuff. So, like a really simple one is making sure you're using really high quality images and video on your product pages, right? So, having a you know a, a really rigorous process to make sure that that the products that you've got are really clear, that there are white backgrounds, um, if there's video that it's really clear what that product is as opposed to all the other things that are around it. The the easier you make it for a customer to visualize exactly what the product is on its own, and then potentially you know, an experiential type image as well. But that original shot, that original product image needs to be really clear, clean, easy, ideally on a white background, especially for like a fashion product or really most products. Um, that's going to be super important. And that, and that is literally like 101 CRO. So before you go and hire an expert and do all those sorts of things, have a look at your products, have a look at your product images and your product videos on all of those pages. And have, a you know, have a think about how clean and clear those are. And, you know, whether you feel it as a customer, you would feel confident knowing exactly what that is, and pressing, you know, add to cart.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So getting the basics right. And I guess that's kind of it. If someone comes onto your site and they, they click through to some of the products and all the images are blurry, they're yeah. probably are going to get the feeling that you're not necessarily a professional or legitimate outfit. If you can't even chuck together some kind of really fresh, crisp looking images and videos, like yep. you quite rightly said, that's I guess it's all about that brand confidence and giving yep. people a sense of security on your site. Are there any other kind of basics that we should just kind of nail down yeah. on an e-commerce site, Russ, before we get into kind of looking at analytics and so totally. these kind of more technical things of CRO.
1: Totally. A Couple more things. Um, and some of these are going to sound really obvious, but this is literally the sort of stuff that you need to check off first before you start getting into analytics and hot jar and, and heat maps and the like, like you want to make sure these fundamentals are done. Um, another one is free shipping. Are you offering free shipping? Does it need, does it come at a certain level? Like if you've got a product that ideally you want to be, you know, charging over a hundred, $150 and you know, over a hundred dollars free shipping. Or you know whatever the the amount that makes sense for your product and for your margins and for your customers. So people, you know, because of Amazon and because of you know lots of big marketplaces around the world, people expect that shipping to be to be either be free or to be kind of loaded into the price. They don't want to have to think about that extra calculation at the end when they get to their checkout. You're just giving yourself you know a a big sort of barrier, big speed hump at the very end when they should be just checking out. So um, free shipping. Is, is super important. In today's market, it's an absolute must. Um, and it's something that unless you've got a huge big bulky product that, you know, makes that not possible, it's something that you really need to have on uh, on your e-commerce site.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We're actually looking at a, um, without boring people too much, we're looking at a, one of our clients does fire, deals in Firewood and they're testing yep. out right now. They've got all these different regions that they um, deliver to around yep. the UK. But yeah. they found that there's certain regions that are getting a bunch of traffic and they get a bunch of people that get to the add to cart process, but then they're dropping off. So they're banning their yeah. cart. So what yeah. we're testing with them right now is for these specific locations, we're going to give them the chance to have free shipping and basically see if mm-hmm. that affects the conversion rate, which we think it probably will ultimately yeah. drive more revenue, drive more sales, just yeah. because these certain regions are, are dropping off because it is a big thing. If you... um. Yeah. Like you mentioned if you go through an entire website and then you think your order is going to be 105 pounds you put in all your details you put in your address you put in everything and then you're just about to put in your payment details and it says your shipping's going to be ten pounds or 15 pounds or fifteen dollars it scares yeah. people off right
1: hundred percent they've already done the math like they they weren't in, and it, the silly thing is like sometimes it might be it might be five dollars ten dollars but it's just enough for to have them to go oh maybe I don't need it right now and then you, then you'll, you know, you need some kind of abandoned cart or remarketing or something to try to, to reel them back in, you're probably gonna to need to use a discount or something to get that sale over the line, you know, yeah. on, at another time. So, you know, don't put a big speed hump right before that they, they're about to give you their credit card.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Cool. And but, um, I've got one more, which is, yeah, sure. around sort of best practice,
1: and then, I, then I've got some tools and stuff to sort of look at.
0: That's it Um
1: and this one, again, it sounds obvious, but it's it's one-on-one stuff. It's what all businesses need to do. But you, you need to be competitively priced. So if you're selling a particular brand that lots of other stores offer, you, you need to have a good understanding of what those stores are offering it for. Um if you're selling a particular type of product and you know that people are used to buying, they're conditioned to buying at a certain amount, if you price that well in ex- in ex- like exceeding that amount, you need a really killer value proposition as to justify why it is so much more. Um, if it's, you know, similar to what other people are buying, then you really need to be looking at, um, uh, you know, what, what the, what the competition's pricing these at, does that fit with your margins, making sure that you've got the right messaging and right images to the audience at that price. So really obvious stuff, but, um, you know, I've got some experience in, in launching sites like this, where you've, probably didn't, you know, look too closely at, um, at, at price point and what people would be prepared to pay, especially when you're selling stuff internationally and you look at, okay, well, I didn't realize in this country that was going to come in at this much or, holy crap, that, that yeah. T-shirt that I want to sell is, uh, is going to cost of $80 in that country. They're probably not going to buy it. So these are the sorts of things that you want to kind of research ahead of time.
0: I was going to say, I guess it comes down to competitive research and all, all that good stuff, really, as there's <clears> no point like you said chucking on whether you're doing clothes t-shirt for a hundred dollars and all your competitors are 50. i mean Mm -hmm. you're brand new in the market especially so first of all people don't know the company don't know the brand don't trust you and if you're twice as much as everyone else why why should they purchase from you um got it okay so talking about having great high quality images videos crisp white backgrounds we're talking about offering free shipping where it makes sense to not people Mm -hmm. put people off at the last hurdle and having kind of sensible pricing um, that makes sense mm-hmm. on the market. Yep. Russ, I feel like this is a question I probably should have asked right at the start, but what yep. is a good percentage or a good conversion rate percentage for an e-commerce yeah. site?
1: Yeah, that's good. Because all of these things we're doing are going to impact on on what that number is. So if, this is a tough one where you kind of go, it depends, and that's not the best, the best answer. But if you're talking about transactional products, which sit under $300, and which a person is likely to buy online and not have any concerns about um you know whether it's not going to fit in a house or anything like that so 300 yep. transactional product whether that be fashion hardware tech you you're kind of aiming for two percent at a minimum okay as you're going over 300 and you start to move into those kind of luxury items that's when the percentage will come down right. so i've worked with um you know some some globally known uh, jewelry brands for example where for those brands um you know, where an average transaction could be, you know, two or three grand. Yep. Their conversions, you know, if they were sitting at sort of 0.5%, that was a really good thing. And, we're, you know, we're sort of working on ways to get them to 0. 0.5. Um, other, another uh, luxury brand that we work with here in Australia, it's just sort of through Australia and Southeast Asia through APAC. Um, their average transaction, I think is around sort of five to $600. Um, their conversion rate, uh, I believe sits between 0. 0.8 and 0. 0.1, and that's a really good number for that particular brand. Most products, though, and most people listen to this, have probably got a product that sits under that 300, anywhere from sort of, you know, 100 to $300. If you're at sort of 2%, that's kind of where you need to be aiming for. Anything sort of between 1% and 2% for those products is um, is in, in the ballpark of okay, but obviously if you're at 1%, 1.5%, and you've got 100,000 people coming to your site every month, that extra percent or half a percent is gonna have a pretty big impact on your yeah. bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the margins, the percentages, just making which we'll get into small small tweaks here and there can have a huge impact on your bottom line so i have to ask it why why is it such a small percentage of people that convert i mean most of us like we said earlier spending so much time or money or our team are investing time into driving all this traffic all these customers or or all these prospects rather to our site why does so few want to do business with us why does so few buy
1: It's it's such an interesting question because especially, and I I talk to business owners all the time who are like, I've got an amazing product. I know no one else has got got anything like this. I know it's, you know, I've got great reviews. I've got all of these things. And what you're telling me, Russ, is that if we do a good job, two out of every hundred people are going to buy it. Like, how can that be so? But it just, you just need to realize that people are busy. People are you know they're they're doing lots on their phone they're scrolling through their different feeds they're jumping from site to site to site they're shopping around they're comparing prices so they're unlikely very unlikely to buy it on the very first time they go to your site that's that's probably really key you know yep. they're going to go to your site they might end up becoming a really loyal customer but the likelihood of them purchasing it that first time clearly not very high and two percent of customers overall get to buy so it's about making sure that you understand that and you factor in all of your we're kind of off CRO now, but you've, you've got to factor in all of, your, all of your traffic sources and your costs and your influencers and all that sort of stuff to understand that a good site will convert at 2%. So do my margins stack up for that? Do, do my paid media costs stack up to, to make that a viable business?
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I guess it's a bit like a retail store, right? So if you're, if you're yeah. a classic, classic shop, let's say maybe you are selling jewelry, high ticket stuff yep. like this kind of 2K plus value. Yep. Then mm-hmm. the chances are a lot of people won't buy on their first purchase, right? Especially if mm-hmm. you you say you went in first with your partner, you might just be shopping around, and you yep. may come in for a second look to try it on, and it might not yeah. be until the third or fourth time you actually decide to make that purchase because you've yep. you've kind of tried it on, you've had a good look, you've compared the market, you've checked yep. out some competition, and then you you're comfortable with it and you're ready to buy. So I guess it's a similar kind of sense. It's
1: it's similar, and then if you think about the fact that if you walk into a like foot traffic through a store that you know they're old school retailers will have their own conversion numbers they know for x amount of foot foot traffic through the store they'll turn x amount into customers but that's for someone who's made the commitment to get out of their home to put on clothes to walk into a shop for of a product that they are clearly interested in they might even get spoken to by a person like you know if that if they convert a 10 15 percent with all of that commitment what we're talking about is someone sitting at home on the couch watching um you know watching game of thrones scrolling through their scrolling through their phone bouncing <laughs> in and out of shops like yeah. grabbing them and having them actually punch their credit card details into uh, into phone to purchase a product it's a it's a, it's a much harder sell so mm. um
0: you know you you, you need yeah. them to uh be convinced fighting for that attention right yeah yeah so exactly. okay so with this with these basics all in mind what yep. is the starting point in terms of what we should be measuring, Russ? So, how can mm. we determine our own um, conversion rate percentage, and yep. what are some perhaps analytics or some basic tools mm. that we need to look at before we start kind of making around, messing around with our site and making a bunch of changes?
1: For sure, for sure. So, Google Analytics is is kind of like the, the simplest starting point, and that's what you really need to have on your code, on your start, on your site. You need that. Google Analytics code on your site from the start. So whether it's a Shopify, WordPress, Webflow, Magento, you know, Neto, whatever the the e-commerce platform is, um, Google Analytics is, um, you know, kind of the industry standard for for most businesses to have installed on your site. Once you've got that on your site, then you need to make sure that you've got conversions uh, actually tracking. So you need to know that if someone does fill in their credit card details, check out and go through to a conversion, that Google Analytics is tracking e-commerce conversions. So that's a testing process at the start, great. That's when you get your benchmark. That's when we go, okay, cool. Now that we set that up, we've run it for a month and we can see our sites converting at 1.5%. Okay, there's a little bit, of, uh, little bit of work to do there.
0: Got it. Okay, so setting up analytics, getting those basics in place, mm-hmm. setting up um, kind of the traffic and then making sure you can actually measure what's um, What's going on in terms of what, how, how many people are coming through, how many people are making that all important purchase, um, yep. and that side of things? Do we need to um, kind of attribute certain channels as well? Do we need to consider kind of the channels that we're coming in? Yeah, um, we,
1: we can we can certainly look at. Yeah. yeah, we can certainly look at that. We can start you know separating out to see whether okay, well, are certain channels converting better than better than other channels? But I think even before we get to that, we could start looking at the behavior of people on, on your site. So Hotjar okay. is probably the, you know, the, the the heat map program that most people know of that I would recommend. You know, if you've got as a starting point, you know, something like Google Analytics with Hotjar installed on your site. So Hotjar has like it's I think there's a free version and then there's you know quite a cheap version. I think it only starts at um, I think it's only like 10 or 15 bucks a month. It's not a lot. Um, yeah. to actually start tracking users on your site, seeing you know what they're doing, like are they scrolling over your call to action are they moving past to another point what what is stopping them from actually converting um and then you've got you know ab testing platforms there's lots of them out there um they can be quite expensive but i think as a starting point google optimize which is free um you will need dev skills for that so you might need to you know look at either your own dev skills or um you know potentially finding a dev within your team or finding a freelance dev. Um, but Google Analytics, Hotjar, and Google Optimize—it's kind of like the most cost-effective way to start um, putting together all of the all the data you need to start running tests, to start you know running some experiments and figuring out you know whether it's changing calls to action colors, whether it's removing friction at different points. You need all of those tracking things in place first as a, as a starting point.
0: Yep, yeah, got it. So yeah, get get all those tools installed on on your e-commerce site as a as a basis. So that way you can actually know what's going on with the site um, in terms of traffic, in terms of sources, in terms of conversions and looking at things like you said with with Hotjar. And the great thing is, as you mentioned, most of these have free versions, so don't Mm -hmm. have to break the bank to to get them set up and installed. Yep. So once we've looked at this, let's say we've got a kind of basic overview of our stats. Perhaps we've worked out how many, perhaps we've looked at our first month statistics and perhaps Mm -hmm. we know that we're getting maybe a thousand visitors And then maybe a hundred of those are, or maybe a bit lesser, converting into to sales into paid customers. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there certain bits and pieces we need to dive into, whether it's Skuganatics, whether it's Hotjar, to kind of determine what areas of our site are perhaps working well, what Mm -hmm. aren't working quite as well, and Mm -hmm. then where we may need to consider kind of tinkering or changing bits and pieces?
1: For sure, for sure. First thing you want to do is look at your checkout process. Now. It sounds, you know, pretty obvious, but like once they've gone through all the way through that buyer journey on your site and they're at that checkout, you know, what does that checkout process look like on your site? Is it too long? Is it complicated? Is it unconventional? People get cute at the wrong places. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll have that, um, that checkout process and they'll start asking questions like, you know, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle and, and all these sorts of things when really like at that point, it's like someone who's at the cash register and they've got that credit card, like they're there ready to pay you really kind of need to make that process at the end as seamless as possible if you want to ask some of that cute stuff afterwards there's some cool stuff you can do with surveys and the like to build you know build a bit more rapport with your customers but um you know a a crucial step here if you want to start running you know a b tests and looking at what's working and what's not is is having a look at the very end of your checkout process and using like just using a discerning eye of your own you don't necessarily need to be studying hours and hours of, of heat map. Um, data to know that this, this, uh, this call to action here for, for buy now is of a shade of gray that I can't really see on this white screen. Like there's going to yep. be potentially some obvious stuff that you want to open up your product pages and have a look through. Another one which sort of happens quite a bit is people try to have, this is something that happens more on lead gen sites than, than, uh, e-commerce sites. But they try to have as many calls to actions as possible because they want conversions. How do you get a conversion? Someone has to click on a call to action. Great. Well, I'll have one here. I'll have one here. I'll have one here. And as they scroll down the page, they kind of smashed it. Buy now, buy now, buy now. with
0: everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're better off having you know having them sort of banked in one place. So it might be like buy now, and there might be something else there which is like um uh it might be you know a, a sizing you know check your sizing. Or it might be something else, but if you've got all of those sort of banked into one place, and people know that's an area that's not confusing, where they can they can convert, where they can get information, um, those types of things on your checkout page are really huge. But um, another really obvious one, and one that you know lots of people kind of don't do, is is make sure that it looks really safe. So if you get to that point, you know, have you got an SSL certificate? So, so they've gone to, and I've done this myself. I'll get to that checkout point, and then I'll go, oh wait a second, I haven't checked it. Is that little lock up there on my screen yep yep okay cool it's ssl it's safe so how are you making your customers feel like this is a safe place to add my credit card details a safe place that i feel like i can trust this business so um you know showing a range of different um, payment options whether it's apple pay google pay paypal etc afterpay all there okay cool clearly you know there's some some reputable this is a reputable business um there might be some kind of trust um trust badge you can have there, whether it's a McAfee or some other sort of antivirus, something to make people feel feel a bit more trust. Trust pilot. You know, these types of badges that are verified, that give people confidence that okay, this isn't just someone, some scammer trying to grab my details if they've got trust pilot there or something like that, they have to go through a process of verification to get that there and to earn that. So what am I doing on that final checkout page? Or what am I doing on that product page when I'm at the point of you know conversion of trying to get their credit card details? to make them feel 100% confident, comfortable, secure in handing over that credit card and, and making the payment.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like almost starting with the end in mind. So looking at yep. the checkout process, making mm-hmm. sure that's as frictionless as possible. Yep. So I guess that means kind of not asking 100 questions like you you refer to, Russ, ultimately if someone's yep. come that far, they're probably ready to buy. So make yep. it as simple as them to enter as few details as possible and get the job done. Yep. They're not going yep. through kind of five, 10 pages and mm-hmm. um, just make it nice and nice and quick and easy for someone to check out. And then adding those aspects of security like you mentioned yep. so that that makes sense really. So I suppose if you went if you went to a store and they were, they perhaps had their till register on a cardboard box and they said that uh, you, you brought out your credit card to buy an item, they said, sorry guys, cash only. And yep. uh, you, you just got the feeling that this was not necessarily a legitimate outfit. And yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> if you wanted to take something back, they might not be there tomorrow. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I get where you're going with it. Okay, um, yep. are there any, perhaps to to share a couple of things, we talked about kind of checkout process and things like that. Are there any best practices for product pages themselves that you've had experience with? So if we land on a mm-hmm. product page, are there any um, kind of things we need to consider?
1: I think just what we spoke about earlier in terms of making sure that the image and the video is really, really clear. Making yep. sure. Um, another thing we didn't sort of speak about was just really rich descriptions. So in that product description that's there, making sure yep. you're taking the time to, to you know, I, I would be, not, uh, sorry, let me start from the start. If you've got an e-commerce store, quite often, if you're you know buying a product from somewhere else, with that product that comes in, you'll get some generic copy, you know, white right. T-shirt, blah. If you really want to give your, um, you know, your customers the the sense of because you, you remember what you're competing with is them buying it in person, speaking to a person, trying it on, having that full rich feel of what it feels like. So whether it's a ring, whether it's a T-shirt, a jacket, a hat, what can you do within your copy to add that rich rich description? Because you are competing against a physical store. So what can you do to make this experience for them on top yep. of the nice image and on top of the nice video? Yeah, make that product description really clear. So I think, um, you know, outside of Most of the, you know, your Shopify's, your Magento's, most of those have got a pretty good template in place, which is built around conversion. And you just kind of need to fill in the blanks. So you don't need to worry too much, especially if it's like a Shopify where most of the buttons are just there and you just add them in. It's when you've got your WordPress and your WooCommerce is where people try to get a bit more creative and adding stuff. Right. I would be looking at like of your store, of your vertical or the type of product that you're selling. Who else out there do I know that sells that is doing really, really well? So, um, you know, whether that's a a marketplace, whether that's a similar um, jewelry store, whatever it is, find a couple of those competitors and look at the consistencies across the way that those product pages are set up. Don't reinvent the wheel. It's literally there. They might even potentially have, you know, if you see that their page looks great and your page just looks a little bit off. You could even jump into the code and have a look at okay, well, what size are they doing my H1s versus my normal text here? I see what they've done there. It goes fifteen and then eight, and mine's at fifty-five and then twenty. That's why mine looks whack. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't need to reinvent the wheel for this sort of stuff. You've got competitors out there doing, um, doing well. So start looking at those at those as sort of best practice, and then replicating those into your site.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So doing that competitor research that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. We've talked about quite a few kind of pay, paid strategy, I'm um, sorry, free strategies
1: hmm. that you
0: can utilize yourself. Um, are there any more that we need to chat about or should we perhaps talk about a few kind of paid kind of options when it comes to conversion rate yeah. optimization for your e-commerce site?
1: Yeah, a couple, a couple of quick ones. Um, what's really annoying is when you're on it, and I think this sort of comes back to, if you're building this e-commerce site, just think about yourself as a customer. What would be easy and not annoying? Because you know what's really annoying? When you jump on a site, you love a product, you get right to the end and you're, you're about to buy it, and then they won't let you check out as a guest. They are just yeah. dead set on making you fill in a brand new application form to join this club that you've got no interest in. You just want that cap. So let them check out as a guest. I think it's really, really key. Make sure that's something which is just by default as an option for them. Um, and one other last thing just around that sort of checkout is make sure they can always see their shopping cart contents. So make sure that for, for Shopify and the like, most of this is pretty built in. You don't have to worry about it. This kind of speaks more to people, you know, building WooCommerce sites and, and getting a bit more sort of custom, just make sure if they're, they're buying something that that, you know, that shopping cart is there and they can see it's going one, two, three, and the, and the dollars are, are adding up as well. Yep. it just it adds a lot more trust that okay this site's working I can see what I'm buying I can see what's in my shopping trolley you know I feel much more confident that I'm going to go and then, and then purchase that so there again just some sort of you know free one on one tips for your site to make sure that you're giving yourself as less fr- little friction friction as possible
0: nice i mean a lot of this sounds like you say russ reducing friction making people feel like they're on a secure site yep. um, and then things just like giving customers their chosen way to do business with you Mm. which makes sense right i mean not everyone's gonna want to pay via paypal or perhaps with their credit card or different options giving them different options there um like you quite rightly said giving them the option to check out as a guest rather than having Mm. to fill out a lengthy kind of detailed form because people are busy Mm. and Mm. people got other stuff to do so yeah that that that's all good tips man so are there any we talked all about the free options are there any other paid strategies that we should consider you should think about
1: yeah for sure one of them i think um you can you can do everything right and they might get to the end and they're just busy you know they're on their mobile phone or they've got to pick up the kids they've got something else to do so they'll leave and they'll leave with their cart filled but abandoned so um setting up an abandoned cart workflow um, so using software to to do that is is your best bet we're big on clavio as far as e-commerce business businesses go. Using Klaviyo, it, it integrates beautifully with Shopify. Um, it's, it's really powerful. There's lots of really cool stuff you can do with the workflows and the automations. Um, but I think Klaviyo as an e-commerce business is a no-brainer. Um, it's, again, it's not super expensive for, sort of starts at $30 or $40 a month and, and scales up as your, as your business database gets bigger. But um, there's lots of other ones out there, um, you know, Dot .digital, Amasis, um, and then obviously you've got your more sort of enterprise platforms. But um, I think Clavio is, is a great fit for anyone from sort of small to medium. We've got some pretty big businesses who use, we've got some enterprise sized businesses who, who use Clavio and, and it's it's pretty powerful what it can do. But um, abandoned cart software um, is, is is key. You, you really need to be, you've got their email, you've got those details, they didn't quite buy You need to be serving them again afterwards. So I think that's yes, a
0: good I guess it's a classic case of you don't know what you don't know. So yep. if you're not, measuring that kind of thing how the heck are you ever going to know how many people got to that you pushed them you did so well you got the traffic to your site your site convinced them to buy they got to that final step they added it to the cart and then something distracted them they're gone um so yeah that that abandoned cart software if you've got a way to connect with them via email and Yep. Do Do you typically tend to offer people some kind of discount, Russ, or what do you recommend? Like, because I know I've seen the classic email when I've maybe been been on Gymshark or one of yep. those kind of websites, and then maybe I've left it 24 hours or Amazon even, and then yep. they remind you that something's in your cart. Some of them I think offer you incentive, others just say, "Look, did you forget about this item?" Is there a best practice? Yep. Or
1: yeah, I, I really, it's another one of those. It depends. Like Hmm. if you have margin to work with and, you know, you really can just just sort of acquire a new customer as quickly as possible, then fine, lead with with the discount. I recommend not leading with the discount for the first one, just a reminder, hey, this was here. Because it's more about, for me, I think it's just about reminding them that they had this product that they really really liked, making it really, really simple with a nice quick call to action where they can check out as a guest um, and they can actually purchase that. So um, I think best practice for mine personally would be to not discount straight up front. And also just know that some people, I've got friends who literally know that maybe this is just because my friends are like tight asses, that they'll know like that when I need a particular supplement that they give me a discount, so I'll put it in my my cart, they'll give me a discount at seven days, at 14 days, and at 28 days, it's the biggest discount. So what I do each time is I put in a different email address and I know when I'm a month out from needing my protein that I'm just going to jump in. Put it on there. Wait for that twenty-eight days later, and then get their twenty-five percent off and get the product. So,
0: Sorry. if you're a well-known protein store and you've, you've seen the name Russ knock about a bit, then stop him giving I those mean- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm
1: just pretending it's my fake friends.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Um, All right. Well, that that's yeah. a top tip, Russ. And any other paid paid strategies that are kind of no-brainers before we wrap things up?
1: Um, not so much no-brainers. I think there's so much that you can do. Um, you know, I I think with some of those too like hotjar yes there's a free option the yeah. paid option is obviously better so you know as you start to use these tools i think what you'll find is you, you're gonna you're gonna max out of what the free stuff does and you're kind of naturally going to move towards those paid ones um we talked about uh google optimize a good free option um the disadvantage is you need to be able to code so um if you, if you can't code then it's not like a drag and drop whereas something like a vwo um is pretty cost effective i mean when i say cost effective it's a few hundred dollars. Have even more a month. Um, and then you've got um, you know, Optimizely and there's some other kind of more enterprise. I think uh, A B Tasty is another one. Those ones, they're real enterprise size uh, CRO platforms. They're amazing. Um, but with those ones, you don't necessarily need to be a developer. You can you can drag and drop. You can build um, you know, you can build a sort of staging page which is, looks exactly like your website to do your testing on. You're dragging and dropping, it's nice and simple. But the cost is in the software costs there. So um, Google optimizes is a, a nice freeway, and VWO is probably that next step up, which costs a little bit, but you don't need to be a developer to use.
0: Nice, nice. Any any final points to to, to consider when before we jump in? Everyone's kind of it's probably stolen a, a fair few of your free strategies and your paid strategies, yeah. and I guess a lot of people tuning in are looking forward to jumping into some of these tools and mm. tips. Um, any any other things we should keep top of mind before we jump in and start hacking around with our website? and um, hoping for for some more juicy conversions and and deals off the back of it.
1: Yeah, totally, two things. Firstly, we spoke about it already, but make sure that you've got a good understanding of what your current conversion is and what the industry benchmark is. We know that 2% is a rough benchmark if you can't find an exact like-for-like product with similar customers that you wanna pin up against. If it's under $300 and it's transactional, just use that 2% as a guide and try to make your way there. That's number one, know those benchmarks. Number two, if you're doing it yourself, uh you're not you need to be um sparing in the changes that you make on a particular page so what i'm saying is if you make seven changes to a page and the conversion goes up you don't know which one of those seven it was so um as you're working on a page have a look for you know identify where you think you can make a change make that one change and then see how it goes Sort of time um you know one month to the next month um with these tools, you can do lots of multivariate testing where you can have different pages live and you can run lots of tests at once, but that's probably a little bit further advanced. If you're going to start yeah. doing it yourself, one change at a time, so you can measure the impact of that change. And give it, if you've got a lot of traffic through your site, you may be able to run it for a week and, and see some results. But most people probably need to run it for a month, you know, at least to have enough data to make some insights from.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome, man. So yeah, cool. like you said, if you're if you're doing a bunch of changes on product pages or your home page, how are you gonna know if if you start with X conversion percentage, if you start changing everything, throwing the kitchen sink yep. in, how are you gonna know what's worked because you've changed so many things, you don't know what the tipping point was. So doing that one tweak, that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense too Russ, thanks very yeah. much for coming on man. Always a pleasure never no, sure. always, with yeah. that, how can people learn more about yourself? How can people connect with you or get in touch to do business yeah. with you, sir?
1: For sure. So uh, ImpressiveDigital.com is a site. We're based out of Austin, Texas. Um, just you know, have a look at the site or just hit me up on LinkedIn if you've got questions about CRO, about your e-commerce business, about, you know, traffic, anything around sort of growing businesses. I've been doing this for a long time. So um, just hit me up on LinkedIn. I will jump on ImpressiveDigital.com and and you know I'm happy to, happy to help and see if our team can help and answer any questions, whether we work together on a professional basis or whether we, you know, whether I just help point you in the right direction. I'm always kind of keen to help small businesses. I grew up in small businesses myself. So uh, small and medium businesses uh, you yeah, know, really keen to help.
0: Nice one, dude. Thanks once again for coming on, man. Cool. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, always great. No worries. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit subscribe wherever the heck you get your podcast from. We interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Everything um, on Russ, all of the links will be over at the show notes and businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode.